Welcome everyone to a new episode of The Simple Christian. I'm your host. Thank you guys for joining me today. Now, I wanted to touch on the um, realities of the impact of influence and the impact of culture. And so how good influence can change culture and how culture needs good influential people to create good structure. But the very first people that you do realize this on are your parents. And to further explain that, we have today as our guest, Ezekiel Howard. He, uh, I'm not sure if you got a different name you want to go by. Ezekiel, Zeke, this one's good. All right, cool. So we'll be speaking on influence and culture. And um, actually, Ezekiel, you and I kind of go back like a long time ago. Yes, sir, about um, probably 20 years. Yeah, I mean, we live like two streets away. Yes, sir. Yeah, so we lived in a urban community. Um, people call it a projects and um, just we kind of like congregated right like if we didn't go to church like the projects was the church like the basketball court was the church you know the park was the church and so we kind of like always got together on a day-to-day basis and um, when we think about influence man uh, like what comes to mind I would say it varies. Um, I think it kind of depends on mindset. Uh, there are some people when it comes to influence, they see other people doing certain things. They see the surroundings, the majority of the people doing something. Yeah. So they feel like, you know, if I see these guys doing this, they live, you know, like I said, a block away, I'm more likely to follow those guys. Word. You know, or you can have the people who um, see that very select few doing something different. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I see these guys are not like the same like everyone else. Let me try this. Let me go down this path. So influence, uh, yeah, it varies. Um, I think it all depends on the person, honestly. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, I know when I thought about this idea of influence, it didn't really click in until like years later that I was being influenced by, first and foremost, my parents. And then after that, it was just my surroundings. Mm-hmm. Like, remember that one quote that says, um, you, like, what is it? I think it's like, you change what's around you. Don't let the environment change you. Mm-hmm. Right. So like that comes with a responsibility that knowing that you have to have a strong influence to influence those around you. And if you don't, it's kind of hard to really like change what's around you when you don't have a, a premise. When you don't have a an influential person to begin with. So it, it almost requires it almost like you start off at a default position if you don't have someone who is a role model, someone who can kind of like counsel you, you know? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And kind of go back to my previous statement, I say, yeah, I feel like uh, it could be either or. So like me growing up, I was, you know, um, youngest of my mom, seven kids. Dad wasn't in my life as much as I would like him to be, you know, uh, in foster care. Mom's on drugs. Uh, so, you know, cliche, cliche. Um, so, again, I could easily just chose the route. Everyone else chose. So drugs, run the streets or whatever because daddy's not there. Mom's yeah. on that. But then I looked at my mom, someone who's struggling, someone's doing all that. And I say, you know what? I want better. Mm. I don't want to live the life she lived. I want to do better. So I used her struggling, her striving to overcome that obstacle. But I understand what you're saying. There's a lot of people, you know, who do like, um, even influence other people. So like growing up um, out there, like I always wanted to be a cop as a kid, you know. Uh, but I didn't really kind of give into the trend. So like for me, for example, at 27 years old, I'll be 20 next month. People are still surprised I never smoked a drunk a day in my life. Wow. 
a lot of people are surprised never once. People are like, why? You know, especially not in the military, growing yeah. up. I'm like, yeah, people offered it. I just never saw it. It's like you an alien or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll tell you, even doctors, everyone find hard like, never, not a sit, no, you, never. You've never rolled a blunt? Never. Yeah, I mean, I think it's crazy how that's literally part of, of, of culture. Like, if you haven't done certain criterias, then you're almost looked at as you're weird, you're an alien, you're, you're yeah. an outsider, you're someone peculiar. But I think even with that, it comes with admiration. And so they admire people who hasn't done or haven't gave in to the trend. Mm-hmm. So I think that's always a great thing. It's just people don't know how to go about, you know, difference. Yeah. And uh, what I thought about the military definitely, like, um, I wouldn't say change. I don't think people change. I think people adapt. You know, they bring out a side that was always there. Um, so kind of the same way at first, you know, like me, I love country music. People find it hard to believe, you know, black, I love a country, but I love country music. I love all types of music, you know, country has to be my best. But uh, it has to have, wait, first and foremost, all right, guys, I don't know. He probably started liking country in the military. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I had a couple, I had a couple <laughs> songs before then, but mostly, yeah, I, I dove in a whole lot more. Yeah, definitely in the military. But uh, you said when I kind of grew into that phase, um, like I said, when I go to the basketball court or drive through New Haven, oh, I instantly, you know, would change my song. I'll turn up the Toby Keith, you know, put up some Rough Riders because I didn't <laughs> want to be looked at like, what's this guy doing, mm. you know? But then after a while, I'm like, it doesn't matter. You know, I feel like a lot of people, again, like are different. They want to be different, but they're afraid of it. So now when I go to Edgewood, the heart of New Haven to play basketball with the best people, the thugs, the gangsters, everything, I'll go there bumping Simi Lopper. Mm. Girls just want to have fun. You know what they say? What? Oh, God, here comes Zeke. Here comes Zeke. <laughs> Here comes Zeke. You know, because they know it. You know, because again, like I said, I'm open. I'm, I'm okay with being different. I'm okay, again, with breaking the social norms. I don't, mm. it doesn't bother me anymore. I, I, I like being different. Because you say it, it shows that like a lot of people are, but they are afraid that if I do something outside of the ordinary, I will be shamed. I'll be looked at different. And that's mm. sad. That like I said, it's like every race, every gender has this like, no, this, I don't know how to even kind of phrase it. It's just yeah. Uh, I, I get what you I get what you're saying. You know, when I was um, when we were living in the projects, man, um, there's a lot of things that were normalized. And the number one thing I was normalized, at least one thing that I, I, I got accustomed to was was speech. Right. Like today, you people use profanity at an older age. And it's I guess it's more accepted because you're older. So you're assumed to have like some understanding that this stuff has a time and place. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't use that. At a, at a work area because it doesn't show as professionalism. But when you're young, you don't know that. Like, it's not like you like, all right, well, mom, um, you, I mean, maybe you have an idea, right? Around mom, I won't curse, but around my friends, I will curse. Of course, of course. But when you're young and you don't have a role model and your role model are, are those who are of the same age, in the same projects, in the same predicament, and you don't have anyone else to look to because number one, it's, it's almost like people aren't open-minded enough. People think that this idea of having a role model is kind of like sissy or it's down, it's looked down upon. You just cave in. You, you use profanity at a young age. You start building up baggage, bad habits, and you take that, and, and it usually takes you in the wrong place, in the wrong direction. Yeah. And so that's why I was beginning with the, with the premise of having someone who is a role model, someone who is of good influence. It's so, it's so imperative. It's so important. And so, and, I guess I'll, I'll give you guys some questions too. Maybe think about this. Who was your primary influencer and how has that person influenced you to the person you are today? And so that kind of leads into the first question of this. So 
Um, number one, we got we got this number one singer uh, debuted um, at number one of the Billboard's Hot 100, giving Cardi B her fourth number one single, WAP. So I'm just gonna say the first word is wet. Um, the A and the P word. Um, you guys can feel it in yourself. What What do you think about that? As far as why is this song number one? Um, I would say main reasons because uh, Cardi does, like you said, uh, has a huge fan base. Mm. She's a good influencer, and a multitude of ways, some good, some bad. Um, but I feel like the culture we kind of pushed away from our social norms because everyone wants to, you know, adapt to people's likeness, all these new changes. Uh, but I, I, I personally feel like we're sexualizing mm. women now. I feel like we're sexualizing children. I feel like a lot of things are just changing, things that wouldn't have been acceptable back then. Mm. Um, it, it, we're going even deeper. Uh, when it comes to the song, honestly, I haven't listened to it. Um, actually, I heard about it when it first came out, but um, I do not like Cardi B. I don't like Megan Thee Stallion. <laughs> I, I just like I, I one thing I always said. Uh, I respect her racks to riches. I completely respect that. You know, you went from nothing stripper to millionaire. Yeah, you re- you re- you really can't you really can't disrespect that in, in any way. You can't look down on that. It's a hustle, and and she got to where she yeah. was doing what she had it, to do. That and that right there is the American dream. You went from nothing. So a multimillionaire, you overcame mm-hmm. everything you feel like I was putting you down. You're a multimillionaire, so I respect Tori. You did your thing, um, but one thing I always I always feel all the time, like, oh, Cardi B's real, Cardi B's real, which is which is true. She's never changed. She didn't like Hollywood to change her. However, the person she was before Hollywood and now isn't the person I like. What do you mean? So I don't like like how people say nowadays the ratchet, the ghetto, or the ah, or that. So it's just <laughs> to me, it's not appealing. Like, yeah. no offense, like, if I was being, like, offset, I would not want my wife to be like that. You know, she's a representation of me. We go somewhere, whatever she does, people look at me and judge me according to her actions. So, yeah, like right. I said, we go out to eat. Mm. I walk in a nice suit. She walk in there, booty shorts on, ah, nails, just like that. People like, whoa, no. And not only that, they have a child now. So, their child has to grow up and see their mother on social media, see all this stuff. And is that a positive? You said, go back to the first topic, influence. Is that mm. a positive influence on them? I don't think so. So do you think maybe the Cardi B would kind of like guide her through that, like, you know, that patch of her career and say, look, that was just a career thing. It's almost like wrestling, like some wrestlers, they pick up an alias, whether, you know, Ric Flair, Nature Boy, um, they don't take these like um, these names out of the ring. They're just a, a performer, right? Yeah. You you think that that kind of holds some understanding or you think? Like, nah, nah. Uh, I think in Cardi B's case, no, because uh, my previous statement, I said she didn't allow Hollywood to change her. So she felt like she's the way she always has been. She always will be. Mm. So it's not like most people, like, you know, like it's like, a hey, I want to put in my life. I've been there. Like, for example, like uh, Black China. She she still has her moments, but she went from, you know, the stripping phase to now at least she's a little more professional. She tried to carry herself in a, a well-respected manner. Mm-hmm. So that's a little different for her and Rob's child. But Cardi B is somebody who I feel like always has that mindset i feel like it's not going to change now let me give you something here it seems that her song is giving some sex positive movement now what this is is uh, a social and philosophical movement that seeks to change cultural attitudes and norms around sexuality promoting the recognition of sexuality you think you think this is like a positive change like i don't like when i saw the unfortunately i saw the video um a snippet of it and I was just, all I saw was, wasn't there a mop bucket in the video? It was a mop bucket. And then I, and I saw it through 
Ben Shapiro's show. Likewise. That's yeah. That's, first of all, I saw that's how I well. saw it through that's Ben Shapiro. Yeah. <laughs> and um, all I, all I saw was, all right, cool. This whole entire video is pretty much ungodly. Um, it's just a whole bunch of women who are practically stripped naked, um, wearing one piece or two piece. And I don't know how this is positive movement. I don't know how this is embracive. Um, this could influence young kids. And so, unfortunately, a lot of the people who are fans, they range from all types of ages. We think these people are going to be 21, 25, 18. But some of the people or most of the people who are, are kids who are in tune with their video games, Nintendo Switch, with iPhones, and they come across this video. And because they've been either not influenced or not influenced enough, they don't know how to decipher whether that's good or it's not good. They just see, wow, she's rich. I want to be like her. Hey, mom, I want to make a music video wearing a one-piece or two-piece or sort of progressively move into that direction when they're 11 up to 15. And you're like, how is that positive movement? Like, that's promiscuity. That's perversion, you know? So I, I think that they're always... I think the media is always trying to find um, a way... To create a word, and somehow, because it's sex positive, all of a sudden we should be accepted. Uh, personally, I don't see anything positive about this. Um, because even like I said, uh, sexuality, sex, 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 sex. That's what I'm, I'm getting from their video. Kind of what mm. you said, like Bishop Pro. This is what they're sexualizing. Right. But they're missing uh, a lot of key factors. Again, that kind of stumbles into the reason why they even made this song from the beginning. So, uh, like, I have her on my phone. Like you said, um, I actually didn't hear the lyrics. I didn't look at anything. I think literally about a couple of days ago, I was watching the Ben Shapiro show. Mm. And this is how the song starts off. in this house. There's some in this house. There's some in this house. There's some in this house. Yo, she's a lyricist. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she's, like, the, the best ever. I mean, like, oh, my God. But um, going there is, again, not women. There's not, no wives there's none of this mm -hmm. there's in this house yeah so from the start of the song you're promoting negativity yep you're not promoting nothing positive and like i said out of this what are you going to get mm -hmm. so like you say what about again someone who's our age they know what a is like no, right i don't care i like the song but i'm not a stay away from that uh -huh. a six-year-old doesn't know what a is right so they see this oh mommy cardi b say too mm -hmm. but they don't know that right you know until they see the video you say yeah it's kind of following suit and um, he said, I feel like it's sexualizing women and it's not. It's like, not this is like, like, this is exactly what, you know what I'm saying? Like any, any parents want their kids to be right. No, it's like, there's nothing about, not even the verses that I'm reading. I, I can't, they're so bad. I can't even, I can't even fathom to even say them. I mean, so unfortunately the fact that this song is, t is number one on billboards gives you an insight of the people. Of, of what they consider to be good music. Now, this is not this is not Luke Bryan. <laughs> it's a lot better. I mean, it's worse, actually. Uh, Luke Bryan's a lot better than this. Mm -hmm. And um, there is no conservatism in here. Uh, th there is nothing that we can say, yeah, this is a great song. There's there's bad lyrics. Um, the premise and the idea behind it is just, it's just bad. And so, unfortunately, I just don't think there's a way she can literally cover this up. Um, and... I don't think there is either, but I don't think they want to. Um, kind of going back, not to really switch topics just a little too much, but kind of going to like the feminist movement. Mm -hmm. You know, 
the reason I push feminist now, and so I feel like even like this song is kind of doing because the problem now, the reason why we have people like this is because they don't have that strong, positive mother and the biggest important father figure okay. in the picture. Mm-hmm. So like here, by you saying, oh, wait, WAP, 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 horror. Where's the father? It's like, okay, listen, basically all I'm worth is some sex. Not worth marriage, not doing anything. You know, mm. it's like, oh, I'm going to give him some good WAP. Yeah. And he's going to stay. Yeah. But again, I'm pretty sure you see the memes. It said, oh, the WAP got Megan Thee Stallion shot and it got Cardi B cheated on. So y'all out here praising your. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's all over. Okay. So again, wow. um, it's y'all praising for being all this, but yet, again, look what's happening. Wow. Because you're only focusing on your. So again, Cardi B, as a multimillionaire. You're telling me the only thing you have to offer is that? Right. No no other, no structure, no stability, no mother mm-hmm. instance, no anything. All you have to offer is your body. Right. So again, like you said, you're sexualizing yourself and you're doing it now with everyone else. So now, not even, minus the females, minus the little girls, what about guys? Mm-hmm. So the guys see that now, what does the guys think? Oh, okay, so I don't got to take this woman on a date. Why don't I take her on a date for her? Cardi B says she got the WAP. Right, she's almost giving you the formula of how to treat a woman. Exactly. And if they don't, then they're obviously not qualified by her song, by her lyrics. Because there's no way you could write a song and say, oh yeah, all of this is just a lie. Oh no, yeah, there's, there's Absolutely not. truth behind it. I wanted to share this. Psalms 19.14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's so important to be able to be conscious and aware of the things you're saying. Because they do have an effect. People who are listening to you, people who admire you, people who aspire to be like you or even better than you, they see you as that rock, as someone they want to reach at some point and say, this is the person who I modeled when I was young and, um, you know, their words gave me life. Their words helped me get through. They encouraged me. So when when we choose to give words of death, which that's what it is, it, it's not gaining people a closer relationship with with christ is pushing them away to the point where they want nothing to do with god yeah they're pushing away from god pushing away from now pushing away from like everything mm-hmm. and just like you said i, I seen um recently too people kind of compare this to like you know the old nelly tip drill so like that and which I, I agree now that i'm older you look back those songs were kind of actually they're very inappropriate really as well bad. really you bad. know but i said at that time back then like you said i don't feel like people were as influenced now because we didn't have the social media you know we see like the 30 second clip on bt then we go outside you know back to the projects we play basketball yeah you know but nowadays where everyone's glued to their phone where everyone's glued to social media this is all they see Everything is trending. So now I feel like, yeah, this is this is a bigger influence than any of those songs are because people, you said people aspire to be like these ladies, like these these rappers. People want to do that now. Back then, yeah, it had a little influence, but most people didn't really care because they kind of like, oh, that's the rapper's life. They didn't really about that. But nowadays, it's like they're trying to merge the two. Mm. They're trying to merge the two. And like, it has like a lot of Chicago rappers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, you know, we out here, we out here on the streets, we on the streets, we on the streets. But then you get the ones who obviously are in the streets and then the ones who aren't. The one who lives in Hollywood, but then the ones who are in the streets, you see it. I think it was Snoop Dogg who said in an interview one time, he said that most of the things he say, he never do. Yeah. Most of these rappers, they rap about things they've never done. And I can only imagine how much, how much of a heartache um, that's got to be. Because you got to put yourself in someone's shoes who, number one, you never walked in. And number two, you don't know how to go about explaining it. So you, you exaggerate every possible situation. You don't say, I punched him in his face. You say, I shot him, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't just take his lunch money. 
I took his house, took his girl. So you exaggerate everything because that's how anyone would go about doing it if you never experienced it. It's always exaggerated exaggeration. I mean, when I was young, I remember we used to listen to a lot of, at the time, it was like Usher, it was uh, Cisco, it was uh, P. Diddy, and we were influenced by that as far as, as clothing. And I mean, I would say yeah, I was also influenced by the by the speech because I remember there's a time where I started using profanity, but it, it took someone to intervene and be like, hey, man, like, you don't have to say that to, to be smart or someone intelligent doesn't have to speak in that fashion. You can go about your day without having to use these words. And I know those are forms of expressions and I, and I get that. But at, at the time when I heard that, it was almost like um, it was disturbing because I didn't think for myself. I allowed artists think, to think for me. And so when you let people think for you, you just commit intellectual suicide. You don't know how to think. You don't know how to go about discerning, okay, this is good or, or that's bad. You just go based off association. Cardi B is wearing this, is saying this, success. P. Diddy said this, did this, success. Maybe that same successful formula could work for me. And that's why people get themselves into these deep holes of trying to be a rapper for the next five, 10 years, and yeah. you just waste time. Trying to say some things to catch the girl, but you you catch the only thing you catch is time in jail. Yeah, you know. Um, switching topics, man. The next thing is uh, this next Netflix film. You guys know about this? It's all over Instagram. I think they have it hashtag cancel Netflix. Um, it's called Cutie. The name is just disturbing. So I'm gonna give you guys a a Netflix synopsis of what Cutie is about. Now you guys gonna be like. That's it. It ain't too bad. I'm going to inform you guys. So, Cutie, 11-year-old. Let's stop there. Um, no. Amy starts to rebel against her conservative family's tradition when she becomes fascinated with a free-spirited dance crew. That's it. Now, I'm going sh- to show you and what we're looking at. And... Um, just through audio, you can't see the photo, but you guys can probably go off on Netflix.com and check it out. What we see is pretty much four girls, right, sort of posing, and it seems innocent, um, but the clothes they're wearing, right? Ultimately, we are visual people. People are going to be influenced visually, but what this summary is not telling you is she stole from her mom. Apparently, Netflix or the film is portraying religious or these traditions to be horrendous because she has to work, right? Like, she was working, right? I mean, don't we all work? Yeah. But she was 11 years old working, so that has to be, that's really bad, right? Um, Her friend doesn't reprimand her, doesn't doesn't correct her. When it comes to stealing her mom, she praises her. Yeah, I saw that. The, the fact that she said, oh, wow, it's so cool. You stole from your mom. And then this image is pretty much them wearing adult clothing. This movie, I guess, is inspirational. Um, I would say far from it. Uh, I guess I, I the last couple of days, that's why I started seeing the headlines about it. Um, and I went actually today and I showed my friend the trailer as well. And he he was just like after the first five ten seconds he's like he, he was just in awe he's like you, you, this this can't be legal like this mm. has to be a joke, um, yeah I feel like if if you guys kind of go to Google type in like images of cutie whatever you'll see different uh, images because the one that uh, 
Josh just showed on uh, the Netflix. If you kind of took a quick glance at it, you wouldn't actually think it was that bad. You really wouldn't. You know, you, you have to you're right, really sit there right. and dissect it. Mm-hmm. You know, but you see the other images. Uh, there's one where like one of the uh, the girls in the front, you know, hands on the hip. The other one, hands on her knees, like like in twerking positions. Mm-hmm. And at 11 year olds, that's unacceptable. That is unacceptable. You know, it's like. Is this everything about the film? And again, this is we only seen thirty seconds of the trailer. It, it's nothing positive. It, it's bad. You're sexualizing young women at that age. You say you're promoting stealing. You're pushing away hard work. It's just everything about it. It is. It's, it's just disgusting. It's disgusting. Now listen to this. Um, a Netflix customer um, asks a question about the film, and this is what they say. The person says, "How does a movie sexualizing children get approved? Who signed off on this?" This is what Netflix responds. We understand that not all stories may appeal to all our viewers, which is why we always invest in a diverse range of content from all over the world. We also provide ratings, synopsis, trailers, and control to help our members make the right viewing choices for themselves and their families. So they're open to movies from all over the world. Even if the movie is promoting young kids who they really should be playing with Barbies, they really should be playing video games. They should be at the house, maybe learning how to do garden. They should be helping their moms out. They should be doing that. But as it says here, rebels against her conservative family. So because you're religious, you're a conservative. When she becomes fascinated with free-spirited dance. Okay, guys, like that's just smokescreen. Free-spirited dance. Absolutely not. You know what it is? It's twerking. And I- I'm surprised that they didn't have it here. And they didn't have twerking here. All they had was just free-spirited dance. Yeah, that, that, that's just a way of uh, wording things now. Because most people, you said, is uh, when you try to be very articulate, a lot of people don't dissect it. They don't look into it. You know, like you said, free-spirited dancing. If you heard that, I heard that, and we didn't see this, what you would think? Yeah. Oh, they're outside ballerina. They're just doing, like, some type of choreography. You would think. You wouldn't think nothing, nothing of it. No, you wouldn't. So you said free-spirited dancing. You would think almost like a, a hippie just out there just laying it out, just having the, having the time of your life. Like a, basically, yeah. a Rusted Root concert. But no, but then when you look into it, it's like, whoa, you guys are trying to find another word or a way to rephrase twerking. Right. And at 11 year olds, that's, that's just completely unacceptable. And for Netflix to try to adopt it and try to just brush off as if it's nor- normal, it's unacceptable because, like, yes, at the end of the day, Netflix, you said they, I'm not sure if they are worldwide, I'm not too sure about, uh, their range of uh, operation, but here in America, we do things a little differently. Right. You know, because apparently, uh, from what I heard today, I had to actually fact check it. Uh, they said like in France, I guess like the legal age of consent is like 16 or 15. I'm not, I'm not too sure on that, but here in America, it's 18, you know? So you can't really take different cultures and try to apply them here because that's when things kind of get out of, out of, out of whack. You know, you can't push away our social norm. You know, a lot of people don't agree with it, but it's what got us this far. Because mm-hmm. if you take this video here, again, and I'm not sure where it, when it actually airs, but I have a 12-year-old niece. Imagine my niece doing that. This comes out September 9th. So I would like to actually make a an episode on that where we can get together and just sort of, you know, break down the, the movie um, and just kind of give our opinions on it. Because these are 11-year-old people. I mean, I don't know... How else I can I can say about it? This is almost promoting pedophilia. Oh, I, this I, I is this totally is agree. this is promoting older men to watch a movie and say, "Oh wow, look, young girls in tight clothing." 
Number one, I don't. And the thing is, the fact that Netflix is trying to say that they're open-minded just lets me know that they don't have boundaries. They don't have a filter. They're just taking anything in. So if the next ten years, right, there's another, there's there's a film with nine years old. Yeah, we're just being open-minded. Just go ahead and take it in. Yeah, um, I would say they're kind of open-minded to their own personal agenda though I, 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 I would definitely say that there are some things where they definitely would not air not post under any circumstance we all know what that is um were you were you upset when the whole black Lives matter movie first began i think within the first week or so netflix had a black lives category oh, um oh god touching that real quick so i was upset about that um that whole thing kind of just irritated me in general even as a black man um like netflix even again after Hey, I'm all for protesting. I'm, wherever you want to protest, you know, you do that in your time, your space. I'm, I'm okay with that. You, that's your your right to do as you please. Thank God we have that freedom to, to express that. Absolutely. However, when you start intruding on my personal beliefs, my personal space, that's where the problem comes into play. You know, so look at it like this. Think about the guy who tried to get to work in the morning but couldn't get to work because they're protesting blocking the highway. Hmm. So now he gets to work late. Now his boss is giving him hell all day. Blah, 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 blah. You know what? Having a rough day. When I go home, you know what? I'm going to watch Netflix. Turns on Netflix, you have to sit there for a 30-second window to all Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. So, I think this guy feels. Say, I feel like it's kind of, you're forcing a narrative on other people, and I feel like you're intruding in their rights, their personal beliefs, everything. Like me and you, we're both Christians. Mm-hmm. I don't go knocking on someone's door like, hey, hang up this Jesus picture. Right. No, because again, this is your home. You do as you please. Mm-hmm. You know? So, um... Yeah, by Netflix doing that, um, I mean... It's I'm almost totally like they're imposing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. definitely posing. Even like video games. I play Call of Duty. Same <laughs> thing. Logged onto the screen. Logged onto the game. EA Sports. 30-second window. Black Lives Matter. I'm like, dude, I want to play the game. I want to play some Call of Duty. I want to play Madden. Right. I want to just play the game. <laughs> and again, I, and I'm, a, and I'm a black man, and this is upsetting me. So I can only imagine how other people feel. Like I just yeah. want to play the game. I want to blow some steam. You know? So Let me let me ask you a question, man. Do you feel like um, because you're black, you got to be you got to be a Democrat? Oh, uh, growing up, yes, totally. Uh, uh, totally, of course. Um, I grew up, I just wasn't Democratic, just, just I don't even know why, you know? Um, like, I booted for Obama his first term. Um, even in high school, they, uh, a couple of seniors walking around the school, they was asking everybody, like, hey, you know, who would you vote for and why? Like, 80% of the people in the school said, oh, Obama. Why? Because he's black. Right. Not because, oh, you know, he did this, he did that. No, because he's black. She's racially driven. Exactly. You know, so, yes, I, I definitely feel like a lot of people... Um, are just black. I mean, ha, just black. <laughs> a lot of people are Democrats just because, you know, and they, they don't know why. My child's mother, same, uh, went to the DMV. I was helping her like a couple years back, her license on her drive and everything. And lady's like, hey, my brother's like, yeah, no problem. She's a Democrat. I'm like, why? She's like, I don't know. I'm like, you don't know. Like, do you know what a Democrat is? She's like, I don't know. My mom does it. So I did. I'm just like, okay. I don't, you know, I'm So it's like a passed on tradition. <laughs> it's, 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 it's like almost hereditary where the fact of like you don't even know you are part of it you just do it because yeah. yeah it's like it's almost in our dna like i swear to you like the lady i didn't want to get against at the dmv our ladies we did like five hours but i swear the lady gave her the paper just she didn't even look they look she just saw democrat checked it off like yeah. instantly it is like wow like you know no thought given to it like hey maybe i don't know independent or anything. no yeah just i don't democrat know if i don't know if you noticed but there was a there was a time where there was a I voted for Obama uh, his first term. I was at Wilbur Cross. I know. I know it was his first term. I feel so bad. Um, but what happened was they can't shove down any any of your political beliefs down you. Like, it, it should be open, right? Yeah. But 
you see Obama posters around the school, though. Of course. Of so course. it's before you're even in, they're already trying to push an agenda on you. It's like, we will vote for you. We'll think for you. Pick Obama because we have his his candidate or his, his, his poster outside hanging on the green grass. And so pick for him. And I just remember being in, a, I think at the time I was still in the projects or in 51 Chapel Street. And everybody was voting for Obama. And so I was like, yo, let's go for Obama, right? Because he's helping out the public school, you know, um, he's raising up taxes. And I'm thinking to myself, like, oh, I have a job at the time. But I'm thinking free, 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 free. I'm like, yes, I don't have a job. But as I got older, I realized I have a job. He's taking my money. I ain't voting for him, you know. And then as I got even much older, I realized um, because I was going to Haven Arrest Baptist Church, we were protesting against Planned Parenthood. And that's when I'm thinking, like, oh, snap, Obama is actually helping or endorsing Planned Parenthood. He is literally helping this uh, this baby-killing factory. I really can't vote for him now. And so little by little, he started to creep in in his second term in just infiltrating anti-religious um, ideas. So I was just like, there's no way I could vote for this guy. Uh, I never voted the second time. And and then, yeah, so that, that, that was it. I mean, Democrat was just kind of like a no-brainer growing up. It's just like, why not? You're for the people. Yeah, and and, I, and that's I think the the biggest thing is like now we've seen it this year, sort of last year, sort of last election, is um kind of appeasement. You know, it's kind of like church and everybody did to Hitler. It's like, hey, you know, I want that thing. Well, you can have that thing. Oh, well, you can have that thing, but no more. Mm-hmm. I want that thing. Mm. And I feel like that's kind of what happened when it comes to the Democratic Party. It's like they they go to the minorities. Mm-hmm. You know, whether African Americans, Latinos, Asians, uh, the LGBTQ, QRSTUV, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah no, no, no matter, but they they go to these people and they're like, hey, we're gonna do this for you guys, we're gonna do this for you guys again, appeasement, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this. But you say, oh, okay, yeah, you got my vote, you got my vote, you got my vote, but nothing ever changes. Uh, last week, I believe, last Thursday, exact. Um, Kamala Harris and um, Joe Biden. Yeah, former VP uh, Joe Biden. They were over at this um, this kind of LGBTQ uh, TED Talk, basically kind of thing. Okay, I and didn't see that. I didn't see that. I have to uh, watch you, that. Uh, you, you have to watch it. And they were basically um, pampering to like the host there, who was a a, a, a trans a transgender woman. And he's basically over here, not saying you no, know, sympathize with you. He's telling her him. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Like, yeah, he's like, yeah, we're going to do this. You know, when I get into office, we're going to do this. And one thing Kamala Harris wants done, and she said she will do when she's VP, is funding for inmates who want to go through the surgery. Mm-hmm. So she said, we need to raise more taxes so we can fund the inmates' sex change. Mm-hmm. So now my thing is, one, how does that work? Because if I'm a male and I get my male parts removed and I identify as a female, do I stay in the same prison? Do I get transferred to a female prison? How does that work? What if I'm a male who don't want to surrender my penis? Do I stay in this pr- prison or do I get transferred to another prison? How does that work? And right. if you're male to a female, did you commit the crime? Could you get let out of prison? I think there's just too many wrongs There's way here. too much. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. There's too many wrongs here. But these, you said, these are things that are being promoted. They're being promoted and they're being promised to these people. So I said when it comes to being like you said, that's how the Democrats do. 
they always like just give, 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 or at least try appease, and then people fall for it. I was speaking to um a lady, good friend of mine, Carolyn Sykes, uh, great, great friend. She was kind of telling me kind of how to, like the real Democratic Party really, really started with, if you want to kind of say the whole oppression thing, after uh, the Civil War. Republican Party, hey guys, you have your freedom. Have at it. Do what you want. You know, we're not going to give you, we're not going to work for you, but you have the opportunity to work. You know, we're not going to give you money, but you have opportunity to make money. We're not going to give you a house, but you have opportunity to work for the house, which is good, which everyone needs. You have the opportunity for it. What did the Democrats do? Hmm. How can we keep these guys down? Slave, we can't do slavery anymore. Mm-hmm. We can't do physical slavery, but you know what? Mental slavery. So, hey, 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 Josh, um, Hey, you you don't have to work. You know, no, here here's here's some money. Here's this. You know, what? you don't have to go work and get a bigger house. Here's a house for you. You know, you don't have to pay more. You're referring to welfare. Yes, welfare and all that. You know, just all that. Just in general, I feel like they kind of incentivize it by just giving to people, so people never had the urgency to go do anything, and that, in a sense, kind of crippled them. And the you said that hundreds of years ago. Mm-hmm. And it still happened now, 141 years ago. Again, oh no, black people, you don't have to go up north. You don't have to go vote. You don't have to go. You don't have to work and do anything. Here, here's a shack. Here's this food. Here is this. They basically give you what they think you're worth. Mm-hmm. And here we yeah. go. 2020, we see the same exact thing. Right. It's like, hey, mm-hmm. and for example, look at the, the voting. Hey guys, no, you don't have to go vote. We'll do everything for you. We'll do everything for you. And that, in that sense, yeah, it makes people lazy and it makes them kind of just give in. And he said, I feel like a lot of people kind of go into the, the, the Democratic Party because they're promised all these things. I feel like they're going to get given all these things. And I just, this is not good at all. Let me, let me show you this on page 21 from Public Housing Myths. Mm-hmm. The Europeans left in a similar manner has criticized the isolation of immigrants and vast suburban housing projects with high unemployment. The left critique of public housing, particularly in the U.S., has contributed to the myth that public housing can never be decently managed. Now, this is referring to at the time of housing, Great Depression, 1928, going further, on 1950s or so, there were so many people that were being stuffed in, in, in public housing that plumbings were having issues if you're in the fourth floor, and the leaks, the plumbing, the infestation of bugs, they were hard to maintain, and there were so many people trying to sign up for, for these housing, but people... Like housing was like housing authorities projects. They were never meant to take someone in and then like, all right, that's it. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be you go in for a few months, get get, back on your get some stabilization and leave. And it says, um, never been easily managed. That public housing by its na- by its nature traps its tenants in poverty. And that there is no conceivable role for public housing in economics or social development. So another thing about about this is number one. It's not so much of a myth that public housing traps people, but there is a a sum of reality. There's a re- there's a lot of evidence that prove that the majority are blacks and are Hispanics who are trapped in housing authority circle. They they go into projects, they get help, and then the list of people who want to sign up for projects get longer and longer and longer and longer because people don't want to move out. They're okay with getting a thousand bucks a month. They're fine with the minimum. They're fine with just that. And that's the thing. We rely so much on a government to take care of us. Go into a project nearby and say, hey, would you work if I gave you a job? Sure, I'll work. But just know that your your government help is gonna be taken from you. Nah, 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 nah. Yeah. I keep my I, I want to keep my government help. 
right? And so trying to web this all together, the influence that the culture is sort of injecting into into our people, right? Or, or just to any American is that rely on big government. Rely on the projects. You don't have to get a job. That's all cool. That's cool. No problem. We'll pay for you. We'll give you money. Yeah. And I, I'm sure you and I agree. We're not against projects. If you really need it, you really need it. That doesn't mean you are to stay stagnant for the rest of your life in there because it makes you irresponsible. You start to become careless in projects mm-hmm. and you become extremely reliant because you don't know what it means to have a job and to work hard and to pay for numerous bills. And um, I, I totally agree. And um, that's why I blew a few weeks ago, yeah, last month, when uh, President Trump passed, uh, I can't remember the exact name of the bill, so I could find it. It's kind of pushing, um, basically, not allowing low-income housing for that to be built in, in uh, suburban areas. And I totally agree. Kind of what you said, um, when you have the people who live in these in these areas, you know, like the the projects, the um, income-based housing, which we see a lot of nowadays. Like you said, it's one of those things as in people get used to that and they don't want to do anything. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Brookside, like um, right now, the, the island where we grew up. You see what's up now, income-based. You drive there, you see people, again, paying $20 for rent, but they have brand new cars. They have better cars there than they do in Greenwich, you know? So, again, like people, they're not even trying to get out there. Like, for example, I'm pretty sure you have, I'm sure you still have Facebook, but I have Facebook before. Let's say in New Haven or Midland was hiring for like, or sorry, taking um, applications for Section 8. Mm-hmm. People will share it. People will share it. They won't share uh, like a, a, a job opportunity. They won't share that, hey, Walmart's hiring, but they will share Section 8 applications. Mm. Again, no one's like, hey, I got my Section 8. I'm like, but did you even try? Did you even try to fill out life yet? Did you even try to pay rent? But no, like you said, you're so quick on handouts, handout, handouts that you're even trying to do anything. And the one thing I said about Section 8 that I hate the most, that is in a sense almost hereditary. You could pass it down. If my mom has it, she could pass it down to me, and I could pass it down through generation through generation. So what is that generation doing? It's keeping you down. Right. It's, it's not making you want You're to in the work. vicious circle. Exactly. You don't want to do it. Same thing with, uh, I believe is, I'm sure my wife can correct me on this. It's probably the same thing as Medicaid, or I think maybe Medicare. It's yeah. they, they pay for you. The moment you get a job and you exceed the, um, I think, I think if you exceed the amount of money that Medicaid offers you, no longer will Medicare help you. You're now living off your own money. And so what people do is they don't have jobs. Yeah. They become reliant on, on, on Medicaid. And they say, well, I got, I got health insurance. I don't have a job. Um, maybe I get food stamp. And um, I'm going to get these bills paid. And whatever money I get left, 50 bucks, 80 bucks. I'll stretch it. Yeah. That's not a that's not a mind of a strong mind. That's not a strong willed person. That's not a progressive mentality. And I would even go as far as that's not a godly mentality. Oh, no. Because number one, you know you can do far more than what you think or believe. Because our strength is not in ourselves. Our strength is from God. And so for for God to give us that strength to know that we can work, the Bible tells us that he who does not work does not eat. It doesn't say he who does not work does not eat, and then parentheses, unless you're on welfare, unless you're on government help. So there is an essence which Christians should follow and say, okay, we need to work because God told us we, we are to work. Now, sort of landing this um, conversation, Zeke, um, webbing all this together, 
with fatherhood. How is this? How is being a father? How is our responsibility as being active fathers? Not inactive fathers, but fathers who are trying to influence the kids, influence the next generation. And, and by, by the power of God, how are we supposed to do this? Um, not going to lie, it's hard nowadays. You know, you said all the influence, all the stuff that's going on. Um, my son is only two, but he's learning a lot. You know, these are that's the age from like you know two to like six where they soak up the most information. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, I just have to make sure that all the information that he's getting, you know, it doesn't corrupt him. I got to make sure he said instill Christ, discipline, integrity. These are things that I have to instill in my child now because at the end of the day, remember, school has it more than I do. And like right. you said earlier, that's a bigger influence than I am. So I have to try to undo anything they do. I have to mold his mind at a very very young age. And nowadays, it's hard with all the stuff that's going on nowadays. It is very, very hard because not only that, like we can think we can put on cartoons for our kids and like even those are influencing them. I saw like a couple of weeks ago that Cartoon Network is introducing the first like bisexual uh, yeah. cartoon, you know, and my son, again, he, he doesn't really understand that stuff. So like he sees that again, I think I'm in the living room, you know, or kids where I'm cooking, whether I'm playing the game, whatever I'm mowing the lawn. I think my son's watching some innocent cartoons. Here, I'll share but, with you, actually, for those who are listening. Mm-hmm. Disney Channel's animated series, The Owl House, made history with the network's first bisexual lead character. Series creator Dana Terrence confirmed last week that the 14-year-old lead character, Luz Noceda, is bisexual. So, yeah, you do. You have, And I think, I'm not sure, I think her name is, I think the character's name is Owl. Um, mm-hmm. The Owl House, because her name is Owl. And... Yeah, just I just kind of like giving you some like yeah, and he, and he said it there, and he said now a kid seeing that again that could confuse them. So again, I'm in here thinking everything is innocent. So as I said, nowadays it, it's hard. It's very hard to, uh, to raise a child, but we have to do it. You know, we have to raise strong, strong men. You know, masculine men at that point. Yeah. Um, we can't again uh, like try to go against them. But even like the whole feminist movement, I think like the problem nowadays is they're they're pushing the men away from home. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's not a good thing because that's why you have, again, people like Cardi B. That's why you have, like, these men who are here who sexualize women, who rape women, who do all these bad things because they not they aren't men. As a man, as a man of God, you know, you don't only just protect your home. You protect all women. Absolutely. You know, you, you honor them. Someone down, exactly. You see a woman down the street, something slip and fall, whether she's hurt, anything. You help them. You protect them. That is your job as a man. But I feel nowadays when you feel like, oh, women like, oh, Men shouldn't have to do that. Men can't only do that. Men don't want to do anything, but they don't want to be men. I think a lot of the times when men try to get involved in anything that has to do with the female anatomy or even just the female clothing, immediately we just feel shunned. We feel like we're powerless. We feel like we're, we're extremely vulnerable because we live in a time where to say something or to say anything you have to be of that gender, of that race, of that sect. So it's a lot of categorization, right? It's a lot of a lot of sex. You you have to fill in the shoe of whatever you're defending. If not, that I can't help you, Z, because you're black and I'm Hispanic, right? I can't help a lady who is getting bullied because she's female and I'm a man, yeah, right? I can't I can't go off to war and help a soldier because she's a woman and she got wounded and me treating her can be look can be looked as bad. Maybe that's a stretch, but that's what it. That's that's what it. It seems like it's taken today. It's like, if you see a woman getting getting beat up in an alley, are you gonna help her? If you do, then you might might be going against the cultural norms because culture is changing. It's taking a dramatic change to where 
men's responsibility, which is embedded in us, is to defend women. The Bible says that we should love our wives like Christ loved the church. But what happens when we can't? What happens when we can defend our wives? What happens when the Bible says we should give up our lives for the women? I mean, do we get in prison? Do we get chastised? Do we get, you know, um, I don't know, like socially or immediately bullied because we, we, we took our lives to save her? And no, it, it sounds obvious. It's like, yeah, who wouldn't do that? Yeah, that's the same thing how today we everything has been flip-flopped. What's right, it's wrong. What's wrong, it's right. And so it's no longer, it's the obvious. Now it's almost like you don't know what to do. And so yeah. you just focus on your family. You teach your kids how to think critically. You, you teach your kids how to think godly. You tell them that the manual of life is not the science book in high school who is going to evidently, I mean, mold you, but it's the scriptures. It's it's a lot of influence and a lot of responsibilities. I know a lot of the times we want to do our own thing. But, you know, our, our kids are going to be around hopefully longer than we are around. And so we want to be able to influence them as much as we can and, and give God all the glory. Yeah, we have to because um, even nowadays, too, me and you are a minority. Fathers are a minority nowadays. Being a heterosexual is a minority. Exactly. And, like, like I'm not sure about the Latino community, but in, like, the black community, like, the single mother rate's upward of what, almost 70%? Mm-hmm. So, again, just me being a father, being in my child's life is something that he needs because a lot of a lot of people like me don't grow up without fathers. So, me and you, it, it is a hard job, you know, because you say, we didn't, I didn't have that role model. Mm-hmm. My dad, he was there as much as I would like him to be, and dad lives in New Haven, you know? So, everything that I'm doing for my son, I had to learn on my own. Go off my gut instead of what I think is right. Everything my dad didn't do, I'm going to do for my child. And that is hard. He says, when well, you have no foundation, you have no blueprint. It is hard to build something with no blueprint. So for guys like me and you, being a father nowadays, it is hard. Yo, let me ask you something, man. Like, being raised in a project, um, not even trying to name any names of anyone we know, but can you honestly say that a lot of the guys that we hung out with had active fathers? They, I, don't, I don't remember a lot of them. I didn't think of much. I thought of moms, has a boyfriend. He came through, he left, got in prison. And so for the most part, all our, all the dudes we used to hang out with, they were all raised by their mom, which God bless them and everything. I have no problem, that's cool. But it, and I don't, and I don't, I don't even know a lot of them right now. I don't know where they're at. I don't know what's going on with their lives. I do have interest. I do hope that they will listen to this and, you know, know that I would I would love to reach out to them, maybe have them come in and have a conversation about living in an urban community. But a lot of them didn't have a father figure. Didn't know what it is to be a father, like you said. And didn't, wasn't influenced in that matter. And so a lot of them, you know, from my understanding and my knowledge, they've gone through a lot. And for me, it's like, man, that really sucked to have heard this guy did this and this happened to him or he'd been in, in jail for so many years. And I'm just like, wow, like, that's not cool, you know? But at the same time, it's like, everybody got a sad story and you can't hold on to that sad story for a long time. At some point, it becomes your fault. Yeah, that's the biggest thing is, like he said, it's like, okay, daddy wasn't there. Again, how long are we gonna, how long are we gonna hang on to this? True. Like, are you gonna keep complaining about it? Are you gonna do something about it? You know, like I said, my dad wasn't there. And again, I can sit here and cry about it my whole life. At mm. some point, like, it's one thing, even like my brother, even though he's more conservative, he does have liberal views here and there. Uh, it's kind of the same way, you know, he feels like... I can't wait to have him, actually. Oh, yeah. I want him to hear this. Um, you know what I'm saying? 
Yakim calling you out. Um, <laughs> I I love the fact that he's so active with the youth. I'm I'm so it, it's I see it on Instagram and uh, I believe it's at I am New Haven. Yeah, he's he's super active with the urban community. So active with I'm not sure if it's high school or just middle. Uh, um, yeah, he, he does middle school too, but mostly high school. Mm-hmm. That's right. You're right. It, it's a good thing, but I do feel like. Well, especially with the kids nowadays, with this sense of entitlement, mm. uh, the problem is where I feel like sometimes Kimi sympathizes with them a little too much, and he's like, okay, like, oh, well, this is this is this 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 this. So it's like again, everything that's wrong with the kids, he because sometimes it helps my help him out a lot. But again, what happened with the kids is everything's always everyone else's fault. Everything, and I'm just like, at what point? sounds like a prisoner, right? You ever ask a prisoner why you're in prison? They say, "Oh, cause you know what I'm saying. Somebody else got me in yeah, here, or a false exactly. accusation. He stole the car. I mean, I know I drove it too. You know what I'm saying? But, but it wasn't my fault, though. Yeah, he robbed it big. I just happened <laughs> to take some money, you know. But it's still his fault. And then if I talk to my brother, I'm just like, but at what point do you say, you know what? Maybe I effed up. Just maybe I need to take responsibility for. Yeah, actions. absolutely. Absolutely. Just maybe. And I said, if you can see that, you would start to say that a lot of things change, you know, but as long as like you could keep blaming your your messed up life, your problems or whatever you want to call them on everyone else, you feel good about yourself. You feel good about yourself. And like I said, that's what creates now that sense of entitlement because it's like you're never wrong. You're just yeah. perfect. And that's that's not good. Definitely not good. All right, Zeke, man. I'm going to give you a, a few seconds or a minute. If you got something you want to say, um, you know, kind of ending the episode out. Um, as far as influence for those who are listening in, um, you guys are definitely gonna hear from me again. Uh, stay strong. Definitely do research for every, a lot of things. Don't always believe what you're told. Um, don't follow the social norms. You know, we all have that free will to think independently and critically. I just, I just want what's best for everyone. I want people to open your eyes, stop being blinded by the things you see every day because it's not making things any better, it's making things worse. Hmm. Um, Again, I, I'm not the Pope myself, but I am a man of God, and I do know that through him all things are possible. And the biggest problem now is that we're pushing away from that, and I feel like that's what's causing society to collapse. Even at the uh, the DNC, the Democratic um, Convention, they were saying the Pledge of Allegiance, but they were skipping out on God. And I'm like, that's not good. We need to get God back into our schools. We need to get him back into our lives, back into our homes, because that's what society and like was based off of. You go back hundreds of thousands of years ago, whatever, 10,000 years ago, everything was based off of religious beliefs. That's what God is. As far as those were the norms, mm. whether you believe in God or not, that's how we got this far by those structures, by the commandments, by all these things that we know deep down, which are morally right. And not only are they morally right, we know they're right because God has said so. Amen. We have his likeness. We have his abilities. So we know these things. So I feel like the quicker we can get God back into our lives, quicker we can overcome just a little this harder we're at right now it's a big hurdle but we can overcome it amen and i'll leave you guys with this too um it's a quote uh, it doesn't have a name on it it says when you fix your thoughts on god god fixes your thoughts when you give yourself as a living sacrifice to god god will change you god will mold you if we don't have an influencer if you guys lack someone of influence I'll encourage you guys to go ahead and read the scriptures. Look at Christ as the the prime influencer, uh, someone who was raised by blue carpenter, um, blue carpenter, uh, blue collar guy, um, and he he worked for a living, he worked for a living. He honored God, he worshipped um, the Lord, and he he's our prime example. And so when you fix your thoughts on God, 
Get rid of all those thoughts that are not godly. Get rid of all those thoughts that are not in any way, shape, or form chiseling you out to be uh, the person uh, of Christ. And God fixes your thoughts. You no longer will have to worry about that dim, the light bulb, that shining vanity. When you fix your, your thoughts on Christ, that light bulb dims more and more and more the more you're focused on Christ. So may the grace of God and the peace of the Holy Spirit guide you guys into all blessing. Thanks a lot for you guys um, listening in. And I hope you guys subscribe, like, share, rate, review, because it ultimately really does matter. God bless, guys. Peace out. Thank you.